Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I'm not really the kind of person that gets all that upset if somebody picks against my favorite team. You know, I don't really care. And in fact, I'm kind of weird in some respects if I hear somebody, you know, picking my team to win in this case georgia football if i hear somebody picking my team to win i feel like they're being too flippant in maybe disregarding the game or making it sound like it's going to be easier than it's uh, maybe supposed to be in my mind i almost get a little bit more frustrated with that sometimes than i do the opposite i'm just not the kind of person that has thin skin in relationship to what somebody else says about you know anything else in regard to this and i think that's probably one of those things that'll serve me well as you lead into the start of the 2022 season because boy there is just you know a lot of talk right now about teams other than georgia we addressed this in one of our shows the other day that thus far you haven't had a lot of folks step up and say i think georgia repeats i think georgia wins the national championship again they very well may not there may be a, you know a good reason people aren't picking them to do that but it's just interesting right now to hear how little of that there is that is a dog that right now is not barking out there in terms of folks picking against uga and in one respect this almost seems like the goalposts have been moved you know this thing of well, Georgia ain't never going to beat Kirby Smart. I should say Kirby Smart ain't never going to beat Alabama. That's never going to happen. And then it does happen, and it becomes, uh, well, he may have done it once, but he ain't going to do it again. Like, there's just, you know, one of those things where, like, it's like we were told this was never going to happen, and then once it did happen, now we're told it's never going to happen again. Like, it just sort of seems like there's a little bit of a moving of the goalpost on, on, on some of this, but maybe that's not the case. However, I was listening to an interview the other day, and – in making the case for Alabama, someone, you know, respected reporter, used a, a phrase that I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of it right there. That's one of those things that you're kind of striving towards on the heels of, you know, winning a national championship, having the staying power in recent times in the SEC. Not everyone's had staying power. LSU disappeared from the national stage after 2019. Auburn disappeared from the national stage after 2010. Florida, way back in 2008, last time the lousy stinking Gators won a national championship. They also disappeared from the national stage pretty quickly the, the, you know, themselves. The national championships haven't always come with staying power. One of the cool things about Nick Saban, and listen, I don't like Saban, and there's plenty of Alabama fans I don't like at all. But you can still give credit where credit's due. They have proven to have a lot of staying power. And that staying power that the Crimson Tide has had is one of the things that led Brett McMurphy, who used to work for ESPN and now works the Action Network, which is a gambling website, uh, has led him to say, you know what? Simple as this. I just think Alabama wins the national championship here for this upcoming season. He was on with uh, Cole Kublik, Greg McElroy, their radio station, radio show on uh, WJOX in Birmingham. And in describing his case for Alabama brought something to mind that I also think gives us a frame of reference for how we view Georgia. This is about 45 seconds or so, Brett McMurphy on the case for Alabama to win this upcoming season's national championship. Take a listen to this. It's like every year when, you know, you do these, you know, obviously these are way early preseason, but preseason predictions, you look at Alabama and it's it's kind of like a cookie cutter. It's the same thing. Okay, they lost half a dozen guys in the first round of the NFL draft. Okay, Saban lost, you know, two or three assistant coaches or he lost both coordinators or one coordinator. Um, you know, they've they've lost all this talent. How are they gonna how are they gonna reload? And they just do it every year. And, you know, I just think that you know, looking at this year's team, I always thought Alabama was going to be better next year. And so, 
you know, it, it looks like Saban is going to keep both coordinators. Well, that could change, you know, seeing what happens with Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien find something in the NFL. Who knows? But even if, even if they do make changes there, it's just – I've learned you can be cute and pick against Alabama, but you're going to be wrong. So the oldest cliche in the book, and by the way, football as a sport has probably given us more cliches than almost any other thing in life. And maybe the oldest of those cliches is so-and-so team doesn't rebuild, it reloads. I feel like we've been saying that in football now for 30, 40 years, but you know, various teams, oh, they don't rebuild, they reload. And obviously Alabama in the eyes of Brett McMurphy and justifiably so has kind of risen to the level of a team that truly reloads and I understand that most would say the same thing however it's a different phrase that McMurphy uses that I think is actually kind of an interesting piece of imagery around all this he describes Alabama as a and you heard this a moment ago a cookie cutter program now what is a cookie cutter Cookie cutter is a thing that replicates the same shape over and over again. He says, listen, it may be a different year. It may be different player names, but these Alabama players are cut from a cookie cutter. They all look exactly the same. They are all replicated repeatedly. And that's actually kind of an interesting idea because that leads us to what I think some folks are not quite so sure they're going to see from Georgia this season. And let me acknowledge once again, there is an element to which this discussion is kind of fair. Alabama just has done it more frequently, more often than Georgia does and has. But on the heels of Georgia having won a national championship, there is a thought about Georgia of, I'm not quite so sure this is cookie cutter. I'm not quite so sure this is completely replicated year over year, especially on defense, because we know this, that one of the things that led Georgia to its national championship this past year was maybe the greatest defense of all time. I know it seems crazy to to say something so outlandish, but I'm not quite so sure that can be easily refuted that Georgia wasn't the best defense of all time. And some of the main pieces, some of the main cookies to go back to the to the brett mcmurphy phrase here that contributed to that they are gone jordan davis and Devontae wyatt and trayvon walker and nicobe dean and lewis seen these are great players at all three levels of the defense and they are gone and channing tindall clay walker they're not here either i mean you can start adding up a bunch of names in my oh my it just leaves you a lot to uh to to think about in terms of how that gets replaced for georgia here this year and the notion that georgia has a cookie cutter version of jordan davis someone who's just as good to man the middle or a cookie cutter version of trayvon walker someone who's just as good to set that edge or just as good cookie cutter version of kobe dean obviously that'd be a very hard thing to be able to do brett mcmurphy says i assume that alabama is going to be able to do that and the kind of hidden subtext of McMurphy's line is for a team like Georgia that had that many great players on defense I'm not quite so sure it's quite so cookie cutter for UGA and in a few moments in today's show we're going to talk to Mike Griffith about that a little bit more about exactly how does Georgia replace some of these awesome unbelievable defensive players who are no longer in this program and of the guys who have been waiting in the wings who are the ones that are most likely to themselves also have great seasons and themselves become household names the way that so many of the ones i just rattled off became over the course of last year but in the midst of talking about all of this it also brings something else to mind for me which is that in all of this exists a little bit of an opportunity and i'm guessing that this opportunity is probably not lost on the georgia coaches the chance to enjoy a new narrative as opposed to the one that georgia dealt with before now i gotta tell you something 
I'm sort of done with the whole idea of rat poison all the way around. I just think it's been done to death. I think it's been overused. I, I do think that's the case. And so I'm not going to use the phrase rat poison moving on on the rest of this show on that. But there is something that Kirby Smart was pretty open about talking about during last season, which was, man, the Georgia defense was getting a lot of praise. And coaches, I do think, get a little uncomfortable with that from time to time. And in a day in which, I mean, my gosh, this show, I mean, how many different platforms do we air on? And Lord knows of all the people hyping up the Georgia defense last season, I was probably as loud and boisterous on that as anybody probably was. And you can't block all that out. Players are going to you know, kind of notice all of that. It's the kind of thing that, to a degree, coaches have to make a, a little bit of peace with, but but coaches are never going to be all that comfortable with their players getting as much love as the Georgia defense got for much of last year and the search to make you know somebody kind of the face of that defense. We clearly did that as well with the hashtag JDNYC and all the other stuff. This is the kind of thing that Kirby Smart kind of acknowledged is just sort of part of the way things work in what was the year of 2021. This was Kirby Smart from back last season. Well, they're definitely going to read them. I mean, there's no stopping what they see on their phones. Um, so that's not – they're going to read that. Is, is, is it going to affect them? Is it going to poison them? I hope not. Um, I certainly hope not. I think uh, the standard of being elite is what keeps them from becoming poisoned. And when you compare yourself against greatness, there's a certain standard you have to reach, and it kind of supersedes the opponent. And when you say, I, I want to be great, and what does great look like, and you see pictures of that, and you see stats that reflect that, that's what you're trying to emulate, and you're not trying to make it about who you're playing. And it's always about who you're playing, because you have to talk about their personnel and what they do. But the buy-in from this group has been good. The cohesion, you know, and, and like I said, like, who's the superstar? I don't think you could name one superstar really on this whole team. So when you have that, you have a lot of guys that buy in. So the reason why I play that clip is to get you to consider this. If Smart would have said a year ago, and I think most of it would say it's reasonably understandable on why I would say this, that he would be concerned about a defense hearing people like me saying you're great and have them believe that about themselves before on the field they truly prove they were great and you prove you're great over the course of the year by winning the games that matter most and that's exactly what george eventually did but when smart said that that's prior to the postseason that's prior to winning a national championship smart saying listen don't listen to blowhard podcast host who's telling you how great you are stay focused on going out there and getting that done and actually show the world you're great with your actions don't stop short of being what you can be because somebody's telling you've already arrived don't do that so if that's a reasonable concern for a coach to have is there a chance that the opposite could also be true maybe this year that if we presume for a moment that analysts and reporters and guys like Brett McMurphy, who, to be fair, did not say a bad word about Georgia, but but if we use his statement as a springboard in all of this, if we operate on the assumption that maybe folks aren't just quite so sure that Georgia's going to be a cookie cutter here, replicating the success of the defense a, a year ago with what it's able to put on the field in 2022, can that become a source of motivation here? Can you look at Zion Lowe? Can you look at Jalen Carter? Can you look at Jamon Dumas Johnson? Can you look at, you know, any number of names you want to fill in and say, there are a bunch of people out there that don't think you're as good as the guys that used to be here. 
They don't think you're going to carry that torch. They don't think you're going to take that baton. They don't think you are going to be what Georgia defense was a year ago, that all of that's in the past and all that time that you spent waiting on the bench thinking that, hey, when I get a chance to play, I'm going to show the world how good I am. There are a bunch of people who don't think you're going to be able to do that. Does that become a source of motivation for this team here this year? I'm not saying it's the, the main factor that could lead the Bulldogs to success. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But to me, it is an interesting thing worth considering that, that in a year like last year in which the Georgia defense probably got as much attention as any unit on that side of the ball has gotten in quite some time, that after a bunch of years of everybody kind of freaking out and fixating on offense all the time, defense was kind of back in 2021. And Georgia and the historic way in which it you know performed was one of the things that led it to, to come back so much so that the coach is like, Hey, you know, let's just be careful, you know, listening to too much of this praise and believing too many of these, you know, old school so-called, you know, press clippings. Let's just let's not get too caught up in that. All of a sudden now, maybe Kirby Smart or 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 Will Muschamp or Glenn Schumann or Trey Scott or whoever else, maybe they're kind of feeding some of that stuff to this team here this year. Uh, you're not as good as Devontae White. You're not as good as Jordan Davis. Folks saying you're not as good as N'Kobe Dean. Folks saying that this defense can't be what last year's defense was. I'm guessing, you know, how much of an extra motivation does that provide for you, Jay? And how much of that might we see this spring where when guys get a chance to to step up in a spokesman's role and get a chance to speak on behalf of their position group or their unit, they say out loud, we want to be what last year's defense was. And we don't care if people don't believe we're capable of doing that. We don't care if people don't quite think that Georgia can fully reload defensively to anywhere near the same degree that it was last year. We're not worried about what media person is saying. If anything, we want to prove media person wrong. We want to prove opposing rival fans wrong. They think the Georgia defense is a past tense story. We want to show that it's still very much in the present tense. That's a interesting level of motivation. I'm guessing that's one that we may hear the dogs discussing as soon as spring practice begins. I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're normally first and 15 on the Dog Nation homepage, dognation.com, and the Dog Nation app. But this week, I'm taking a little bit of uh, vacation time, pre-recording some shows, so we're not doing first and 15 this week, and hopefully you're enjoying these shows. We're trying our best to make them as interesting for you as possible. We take your time seriously, and so... We want to make sure we have a show for you, but also make sure it's the kind of show that just makes good use of your time. Hopefully we're doing that for you here today. We certainly appreciate you still tuning in and watching or listening or however you connect with us. Of course, 960 The Ref for the radio, everything else. Just really appreciate all of uh, that with you. It's Mike Griffith here coming up in just a moment. We'll do some of the same defensive stuff with him, talking about how some of those position battles are going to play out this spring. I kind of begin the show doing that there, my own thoughts on kind of the the opinion that seems to exist outside the program when it comes to Georgia this year we'll make that around the doghouse furnished today by our friends at our uh, rooms to go and of course we always appreciate them being a part of what we're doing here today around the doghouse each and every week a part of the program and what they're doing for you there as well you know Georgia right now corny analogy alert but Georgia right now is trying to make sure that the pieces that it has on defense all fit together that it's got everything that it needs and it's still you know looking to see how a couple of things actually are going to you know kind of go together here well that's what rooms to go does for you there as well i told you this was a corny analogy so uh, don't judge me too harshly on that but the point is if you need more furniture and so many of you this time of year kind of look around and say you know what it actually looked good to have you know a new 
you know, dining room suit or a new living room suit. You need, you know, upgrade to the bedroom. Some of you had new children, uh, you know, had uh, you got to, you know, get going with a great looking new room for one of them. All kinds of just really great things going on that would lead you to want, you know, newer, better furniture. And that's where Rooms to Go steps in, whether it's the single piece of furniture or the thing that Rooms to Go is really famous for, which is furnishing the entire room. Rooms to Go can do all of that for you. So you can start your shopping experience in store. I like to do that. Or you can start your shopping experience online at roomstogo.com. That's always a great thing to do there as well. They furnish around the doghouse here each and every Wednesday on our program, and we are really glad that they do. We're also glad to have you with us here today as well. Coming up, it's uh, Mike Griffith and a lot more on the situation with the Georgia defense here for this upcoming season and how a whole bunch of major contributors can be replaced and how a lot of that's going to start taking shape this spring. Let's do that with him right now. Good to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A little vacation, the week's worth of shows roll on here. Great time for us to preview what's going to happen for the dogs on the field this spring. Spring practice, of course, just a couple of weeks away and no better person to do that with than Mike Griffith from Dog Nation here on Dog Nation Daily here today. Uh, Mike, thanks for spending a little extra time with us here, and thanks for helping us look ahead to what's going to happen this spring for the Bulldogs. Yeah, looking forward to it, B.A. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And, boy, I'll tell you what, we're going to look at defense with you. And there is no shortage of challenges for Georgia here in terms of replacing some historic figures related to the program. You win a national championship and you have one of the best defenses in the recent history of the sport. That's going to leave you some big shoes to fill. And we got a couple of position groups we got to look at where that is no doubt true. Let's start alongside the defensive line. You've obviously got, you know, the presence of a potentially great player in Jalen Carter, who I think really is on his way to being that. But that's only part of what you're talking about when you're replacing a Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, a Trayvon Walker. You know, George is always going to have a lot of depth in its defensive line. I don't expect this upcoming season to be any different this spring, also showing some evidence of that. But those three names I just mentioned not being here anymore, boy, that leaves quite a void, does it not? It does. It does, you know, because those were the primary guys. And, yeah, Nolan Smith's coming back around the edge. And, you know, I do think Jalen Carter has a chance to be the first DT off the board. But, you know, part of what made that Georgia defense so special was the depth. I mean, just throughout the season, they just they just never wore down. You just never really felt like, you know, the D-line was having a bad day. I mean, yeah, on the back end, you had some youth that got scorched here and there. But, you know, that D-line was like old faithful. Nobody ever ran really well on the dogs. And, so you got to look for guys like Warren Brinson and, and Zion Logue. These are guys that you need to emerge and be the next greats up front. Not just good, but great. Just really solidify the front, make it really difficult for these teams to get anything going on the ground. Because as we saw, even in the Super Bowl, without a running game, it really affects the quarterback's ability to get rid of the ball. And teams have just not been able to run on Kirby Smart defenses. You've touched on one of the names that I think is really important, especially this spring. I'm going to assume that Jalen Carter is a given. We know that he is very, very, very good. Now, does he become a, a 99 on a scale of 100 or a 94 on a scale of 100? Maybe, you know, there's some actual level of performance that we'll find out over the course of the season. But at the very least, assuming he's healthy, you pretty well know you're getting a very high level of performance from Jalen Carter. But Zion Logue is, to me, such an important name. And when I've seen Logue play at times in place of Jordan Davis, kind of that run-stopping guy in the middle, I've seen a guy who's actually, I think, looked pretty good 
but doing that over the course of a full season in the shadow of what Jordan Davis once was for this program, I think is an entirely different task all the way around. Mike, I really think that Logue is one of the most important members of this roster during spring practice, both in terms of the potential of what he could be, the necessity of what Georgia kind of needs for him to be. You know, Davis just was so good at the job that he did for the dogs. And now, in a lot of ways, Logue's going to be kind of asked to show if he can do some version of that himself. That is a very, very pivotal spot for the Georgia defense this spring, I believe. Yeah, Nazir Stackhouse, another 300-pounder in their B.A., and, and like you're saying, I, I don't know that you can just look at one guy, you know, that just fills. I mean, we're, in Jordan Davis, we're talking about a college football Hall of Famer. I, I don't even think it's a question. When you win the Outland Trophy, uh, you know, I just, to me, and you're a finalist for the Nagurski, and you're on a national championship team, team captain, I just I just feel like Jordan Davis slammed on. You're, you're talking about replacing probably a first ballot college football Hall of Famer, and I just don't think, you do that with one player. I think it takes a couple of players, and that's why I throw Brinson and Stackhouse. And, you know, it's going to take that deep rotation. You like to go, you know, five, seven deep on, in a D-tackle, you know, rotation anyway, especially Georgia. You know, they like to play a lot of guys. But, you know, losing Wyatt and Davis, I mean, those are two dynamic, you know, really first-round talents. I mean, Devontae, you know, they're talking about him slipping in the first round now with, you know, yeah. getting more exposure at the senior bowl in the draft. So, to your point, these are very important names. And, you know, there's a lot that has to go right for that Georgia defense to, to maintain. And, and it may be at too, at too much to ask just to maintain. You might have to say, you know what, there's going to be a little drop-off, but you just can't have a significant drop-off if you're going to repeat as SEC East Division champs and, and have another chance to win the SEC championship and, and make it in the college football playoff. Yeah, linebacker to me is a little bit of a similar situation where – I mean, Nicobe Dean had one of the best single seasons any Georgia players ever had, but guys like Channing Tindall, Quay Walker were exceptional as as well, and I think they'll be rewarded on NFL draft weekend for that themselves. And all of a sudden now you gotta try to find out, you know, guys like Jamon Dumas Johnson or Smile Mondin, Xavier Sori, guys who've been in the program like Trouble Davis, uh, you know, Tresman Marshall, you know, of that combination who really emerges. I think just given how high the level of linebacker play was for Georgia a year ago, you know, clearly Nicobe Dean, who did not participate last spring, we should point out, but how high the level of play was. As you start examining issues for this Georgia team once spring practice begins, I think linebackers also about as intriguing a spot as you can probably look for. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago on our cover four, I think we, we pointed that out. I think we all agreed that was probably the, the biggest biggest question mark, right? And, and I do like Jamon Dumas Johnson, by the way. I like what I've seen him bring. When he hits people, I hear thud, I hear I hear hollow shot. This is a guy that delivers some body shots. This is a physical, you know, kind of a combination of the Kobe and Quay Walker. I, I used to love the way Quay brought the pain. I thought two years ago Quay was always kind of a step late, but last year, boy, did he fill nicely. And when he was in the open field, he really wrapped it up and made it hurt. And and I like Dumas Johnson. I think he's like I think he's a step quicker than Quay. Even you know it, the the key is going to be right alignment, right assignment. That's what Nicobe did. So well, you just never saw Georgia out of alignment. You just didn't see it, BA. I think you probably have to go back mm-hmm. to the first play of the second half of the Peach Bowl when Ford shot up the middle on Georgia to really remember a time when a running back just squirted through untouched, and that was because of gap integrity and a, a large part of gap integrity is players knowing their assignment, yeah. but also being lined up properly so they don't get leveraged. And, and Georgia was so so good in their defensive front. That had so much to do with the Kobe Dean and the calls that he made. And 
as, as much as we like the physicality and the speed of Jamon Dumas Johnson, now we have to make sure, uh, can he communicate? Can he be that verbal leader? And can he make sure the dog's lined up properly? And, you know, it just sounds so simple, but it's so important because a half a foot can make all the difference in the world when we're talking about a run lane or even a pass lane. We talk about the outside linebackers for a moment. I'll get to Nolan Smith because that's a kind of a separate conversation in its own right. But I think you and I would both say that the return of Robert Beal is potentially a pretty big thing for you, G. Mike, I don't mind telling you that I knew Beal had had a pretty good year uh, in 2021, but when you go back and re-examine some of his statistics, you realize, wow, he had actually a very good year, team leader in sacks, and you know, really put up a, a very nice stat line. This is a guy that was a 2017 signee who's coming back for one more go of it at Georgia. You know, there are going to be other guys who are going to justifiably get more attention, but the return of Beal as an outside linebacker here, that's one of those things that a lot of Georgia fans come October, November, they may be glad they have this veteran presence still in that defense. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, another key super senior, as you said, coming back to 2017. Once in the transfer portal. That's right. right? Once again, That's right. We're, we're, you know, we're seeing where Kirby Smart, you know, talks about guys that, you know, stick with the program and wait for their opportunity. Granted, you know, Adam Anderson's suspension had a lot to do with the opportunity that, that Beal was given, but he was ready. And he stepped in, and, and he did. He performed well enough for Georgia to win a national championship. And, and we always liked Robert Beal's talent. That was never a question. It's just there's just been so much talent, so much depth. I mean, my goodness, Jermaine Johnson, you know, transferred out because he couldn't get the snaps. But uh, I do think that this is a positive for Georgia. I think it's a very important, uh, you know, position for Georgia. You saw how productive Adam Anderson was there. And as you just mentioned, Beal, uh, even though he really was only the starter half the season, still led the team in sacks. I think it was mm-hmm. six and a half was the final number. A lot of guys get sacks in that Georgia defense. But, you know, with everything they've lost, you know, and, and us lamenting, you know, the loss of the front line and the loss of, you know, the Tyndalls and Walkers and Deans. So very important that Beal has come back. And, and I think he's going to benefit from that. I think he'll enhance his draft stock. And I think he'll develop that much more with one more year in the Georgia defense. You touched on something that I think is important as we transition to Nolan Smith, which is that this has typically been kind of an ensemble cast of pass rushers. Certainly it was, I would say, last season. 2020 a little different in the fact that Aziz Ojolari had such a great individual year. And I kind of find myself thinking with Nolan Smith coming back, just given you know what he once was as a recruit, given the flashes of what he's shown from time to time in a UGA uniform, if Smith is going to be a little bit more of a – I don't mean to call it like a one-man show, but that's the only phrase I can kind of you know come up with here. More rem, uh, you know, reminiscent of, of what Ojolari was in 2020, where he had the great individual performance, kind of helping that Georgia pass rush. I, I guess I'm curious, what do you think the ceiling and the opportunity for Nolan is coming back here for 2022? I think the ceiling's high. You know, I think he's got an All-American ceiling. I think he's got an Agurski Award. Because as you just said, I, I think he'll get a higher proportion of the reps than we've seen in past years. Uh, out of necessity, you know, I, I expect, I, you know, Georgia really dominated last year. I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, 10 years from now, when you look back on this Georgia football team, what are you going to remember? And I'm just going to say the dominance, just the dominance. I mean, it's, it's over halftime, you know, we're eating popcorn and cookies and, you know, re- writing our game stories. And, you know, by the fourth quarter, the traffic flows underway and people can exit the stadium and you're watching, you know, Dejon Edwards, you know, say fifth string running back carry the ball in so many of the contests. I mean, that was just how it was. It wasn't if they were going to win, it was how many they were going to win by. And uh, won by a lot more often than not. So I, I think that's going to be different this year. I, I still think Georgia is going to dominate some opponents uh, physically, talent-wise. 
But I think they're going to go into the fourth quarter of more games. And I think you're going to see more offense. I know today's conversation is about defense. Sure. But I think you're going to see more offense because I just don't think it's realistic to expect Georgia to be as dominant. I think they'll still be very good. Yeah. They'll be one of the top two or three defenses in the league. But my goodness, last year you had to go back to 1986 Oklahoma to find a team that allowed fewer points in the regular season uh, than the Georgia Bulldogs did in the regular season of 2021. Yeah, that's quite a stat. That's pretty amazing. Let me finish on this topic, if you don't mind. In the secondary, to me, the big spring question – now, some of this won't be answered in the summer because you got you know guys like Julian Humphrey and uh, Jaheim uh, Singletary coming in later, but it's the presence of freshmen and how much those freshmen change the complexion of the Georgia secondary. We kind of know what Keely Ringo is now. He's a, you know, a part of Georgia football history, but also still a very important part of this team here this season. Christopher Smith coming back. You know, Georgia kind of always has that veteran present safety. It's been Lewis Seen. It was Richard LeCount. It was J.R. Reed. Now Christopher Smith's kind of that veteran present safety, but Malachi Starks potentially next to him and fighting for that playing time. The, you know, the incoming, you know, uh, Dalen Everett and eventually when Humphrey gets here and, and, and Singletary there as well that how much can those incoming freshmen from a unbelievable hall of talent in the 2022 class how much can they actually impact the on-field results for the georgia secondary this fall and we'll start learning some of that also this spring yeah and don't forget Pikey smith back as well sure. so you know and, and we wonder what the former west virginia all-american is going to do you know one of the keys last year and kirby said it um going into last season was was he felt like in 2020 that maybe Georgia tried to do too much. And one of the things that they really focused on in 2021 was simplifying. And even when they slipped up against Alabama in the SEC title game, you know, remember talking to Lewisian and him saying, you know, we're going back to what we did during the year. And you just got the feeling they just tried to do a little bit too much against Alabama in that first meeting. There was a little paralysis by analysis. So on the one hand, you like to be complex, and Georgia does have one of the more complex defenses in college football just – talking to different coordinators and players, you know, they'll tell you, hey, when you go from Georgia to the NFL, it's really not a jump. You're familiar with the terminology. You're familiar with a lot of the principles because they're doing it at Georgia, and that's, that's part of the secret sauce is Kirby plays a lot of pro-style offense and defense. But this year, to your point, with the youth, maybe you have to simplify a bit more. And, and I think they took a step toward that last season, and that was out of necessity in part because – You've lost nine guys. I think, you know, four guys got drafted. Um, you know, you, you had another guy, DJ Daniel, that was a free agent signee. And then you had four transfers. I mean, you really – this will be the second year, really, that you've had a major overhaul of your secondary, and, and you've had to simplify. Uh, it helps that Will Muschamp's on hand. Um, you know, he's also a great teacher in the secondary, as well as Kirby. And, and whatever this next hire is, I don't know if we've decided it's going to be a DB coach yet. I think we still lean towards that, but – you never know with Kirby, but you got some guys on hand there that are really good teachers. And to your point, Christopher Smith, you know, this is another guy who could have gone pro. I think he made a great move coming back. I love the growth that I've seen out of him, uh, B.A. You know, he played through a knee injury late mm-hmm. in the year. I didn't, we didn't even know if he was going to play in the SEC championship game. And, and I don't think he was 100%, by the way. But I think he'll get bigger, better, stronger. And I really liked what I saw and heard from Christopher Smith as a leader last season. So I'm with you. I think that's a really big returnee. We talked about Beal. We talked about Cardle. Carter, I think, you know, I put Smith in that same conversation because, again, you know, a guy that keeps everybody aligned and assigned 
and can steady what's going to be a very young and inexperienced secondary. You know, it's funny. It feels like we just now have gotten all the confetti cleaned up from the end of the 2021 season. It's already page turn here to 2022. But, Mike, I appreciate you helping us preview some of what's going to happen here this spring. Look forward to speaking to you back live again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily. And it's going to be a great spring. And I can't wait to read all your coverage there at dognation.com. And thanks for your time here today as a part of my vacation week's worth of shows. Appreciate it, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Uh, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Y'all know I'm having a great time. At least I hope I am. I think I am. Probably I am. Uh, I'm on my own Royal Caribbean cruise right now, enjoying myself, just hanging out, uh, soaking up all that sunshine and the beautiful blue waters of the Caribbean, Bahamas destinations. Going to a lot of great places. And it just gets me all the more excited to tell you about our own Dog Nation cruise coming up and the limited spots we still have left. And if you go to dognation.com, you can find out all the details about sailing out of Port Canaveral. All this comes up starting April 25th out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, that great private island right there in the Bahamas on the gorgeous ship Independence of the Seas. Just an incredible experience on board. So many fun shows and specialty restaurants and bars and everything else. Uh, just so many fun things happening on board a Royal Caribbean cruise. And I just can't wait to share it with all of you. I really have been so excited about going on my own cruise. I, I told you before, I was kind of ready for a vacation every now and then in life. You just kind of get to be that way. And, well, now I'm enjoying mine. And pretty soon we get to all enjoy one together. It's just going to be a great time. I'm going to be there. Jeff's and Tell's going to be on hand. Mike Griffith uh, going to be on hand, I believe, there as well. All just hanging out and having a great time. So go to dognation.com and learn more about how you can be on the Royal Caribbean cruise with us here coming up very soon, the very first ever Dog Nation cruise. And you can uh, be a big part of that. And it's just going to be a great time. So the Cruise and Vacation Authority, that's who we use to help book all this. They're getting you set up and getting you ready to go. So make sure you check that out today. And check this out today here as well as we go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now, continuing to take a look at, you know, what the SEC looks like for the upcoming season. What we've been doing the last few days while I've been gone is taking two teams per day, highlighting what they did a year ago, what they were expected to do the upcoming season, just kind of a brief snapshot here for a moment. So let's look at Shane Beamer, who I think pretty quietly put together a very impressive first year at South Carolina. Maybe by the end of the year, maybe not quite so quiet anymore. Uh, Got a nice win against Auburn, got a nice win against Florida, and hope to build on that for the upcoming season. But one of the things I've been talking to you about a lot the last couple of days is a little bit of a stat within the stat that maybe kind of matters to me that when you look at what you did in league play and – For South Carolina, seven wins in year one. Very impressive for Beamer. Only three of those were in the league, so be a little bit careful there. 26 when it comes to the uh, recruiting class, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Just 49th in preseason SP+, based on what is coming back from a year ago. But as you know, what's coming into the program for the first time, probably the biggest headline of all, that's the presence of Spencer Rattler, the former Oklahoma quarterback. And I've told you this, that you know, given what South Carolina did a year ago, given what Rattler is as a player. I think my outlook for Rattler at South Carolina at this USC, if you will, may be higher than my outlook for Caleb Williams at the other USC. For all the attention Caleb Williams has gotten, the truth is there were some moments near the end of last season when he came in in place of Spencer Rattler there for Oklahoma where Williams' performance was a little bit shaky. I'm not expecting him to have a bad season with the other USC, but... In fact, the matter is, USC also wasn't very good on the field last year either. Now, Lincoln Riley's expected to change all of that. 
But I think the presence of Rattler in the SEC this year could turn out to be a very big deal. And for Shane Beamer, who you know did everything he could to get the most of his first season, the presence of a quarterback like Rattler could be a real valuable commodity. It's as big a win in the portal as I think any team's had in the SEC here uh, thus far during the offseason. And so how that impacts Beamer in year two should be very interesting to see now moving on to another team in the moment speaking of first years in the case of south carolina it's first year quarterback spencer rattler in the case of lsu it's first year coach brian kelly now we know kelly's had great success played for a bcs title in 2012 got demolished by alabama a part of two college football playoffs got demolished in both of those national semifinal games but now he is at lsu and he faces the task of trying to resurrect an lsu program my oh my after two seasons removed from winning a national championship a far cry from that program in fact here is the kind of snapshot of where lsu stands at the time six and seven in the league i should say overall last year three and five in the league pretty good recruiting class you're used to seeing that from lsu they were 12th according to the 24 7 sports composite for the 2022 cycle but man how about this just 45th right now in preseason sp plus that is an analytics rating for expectations of the upcoming season bill Connolly from espn.com has put that out for a number of years and he is not high on lsu right now at least his numbers aren't very high on lsu right now they do bring in a couple of decent names noah kane running back from uh penn state you'll remember him as a recruit and uh, makai wingo a uh, defensive lineman of some note there too so you know how much can can LSU really do here in year one under Brian Kelly? How quickly can he change things? You know, he is used to doing a little more with a little less. That's kind of what is the story of his time at uh, Notre Dame would have been. But, man, it's tough to sell that to LSU fans who want to be good right away. And Kelly comes in with a lot of fanfare. And, you know, the same thing we'll say about LSU. We've said about another number of other teams so far here this week which is the biggest issue you may have is just how crowded the landscape is there were a lot of folks within the sec west who were kind of trying to fight for the same spot of the table that lsu is and frankly i'm just not quite so sure how well it sets up uh, for brian kelly there year one especially with some of the goofy dancing and some of the things like that the the weird you know enunciation of the words seemingly trying to fake the accent when he was first introduced as lsu coach you can't be fake you can't be phony and i don't know that Kelly knows how to be genuine. I think he's a good coach. And I think that spending big money on him certainly makes some sense because it seems like you take unmitigated disaster off the table when you hire him. But boy, it is a tough, tough task awaiting him there at LSU. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By the way, speaking of a taste of Louisiana, obviously LSU fans enjoy that with their tailgate each and every week. But you can get that yourself right now at your local's Marlowe's Tavern because Marlowe's kind of gone with a little bit different spelling right now in honor of a great special event they're doing. It's the Bayou and Bourbon event going on at your local tavern. And if you see there on your screen, it's M-A-R-L-E-A-U-X, Marlowe's Tavern. That's kind of like the Cajun spelling on that right now. And they've got a great Cajun-inspired menu that has a great taste of the big easy right there it at your local marlowe's tavern including the uh, chicken and shrimp gumbo the great honey bourbon bread pudding which is a delicious dessert option the deconstructed jambalaya so many cool menu items 
and great craft cocktails to go along with that. The special hurricane that's on the menu right now, obviously that's a very New Orleans-centric cocktail. You can get that right now at your local Marlowe's Tavern there as well. In fact, go to marlowestavern.com and learn all of the different choices you have right now, special items available as a part of the Bayou and Bourbon event ongoing at Marlowe's Tavern. And keep in mind, for now... Got the cool Cajun-inspired spelling on that last name there as well. That's really fun. And we'll get ready to wrap things up today. Of course, Golden Shoe here saying uh, goodbye to you on the program and using the Golden Shoe as a way to do that. Uh, been fun to do these this week, even though I'm not here live doing this. I have to explain this one a little bit. So Peyton shares this, uh, living in Virginia apparently, and he's got the license plate. It says FTMF. Now, listen, this is a family-oriented show. I can't tell you what any of those letter stand for but if you remember kirby smart at the end of the uh, florida game was it 2017 where he was thought to have said a phrase that those letters <laughs> that those letters would be appropriate for uh good stuff for peyton who also had a very funny florida themed caption in the tweet that he sent so we'll make old daddy wilson here on twitter our golden shoe winner for today and i know he loves hating those lousy stinking gators so good stuff from uh peyton on that by the way speaking of them about 4,794 days gator hater updated that's a long drought for florida when it comes to winning a national championship fun to consider that and gator hater countdown back in jacksonville coming up just 250 days from right now that's really cool so uh georgia beating up on florida again hope you all have a great day we'll see you back here tomorrow on dog nation daily look forward to talking to you then